The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Hello and welcome to my podcast. I'm Dr. Stephen Farmer, psychotherapist, shamanic practitioner, author, and teacher, and I'll be exploring with you ways to connect with spirit animals, ancestors, spirits of nature, how to heal from trauma, and many other topics. So stay tuned. Hello gang, it's Dr. Stephen Farmer, healing your soul, healing for your soul actually, which is a little bit of the same, healing for your soul and healing your soul and uh, present to you uh, some wonderful guests, some different ideas, ways to think about it, Uh, very tumultuous times here. So, you know, I think we need all the help we can get. So I call on various experts to come and join me as a guest for these podcasts. So I thank you for tuning in. Today, I have a, a longtime friend and colleague, uh, Gretchen McKay, Gogo Gretchen Crilly McKay. I, she'll explain what Gogo means. Uh, she is a shamanic practitioner and a Sangoma, lives here in Dana Point. I say here because I'm in Dana Point also. She's been practicing shamanism for over 25 years and has studied with master shamans in the U.S. and Africa. In uh, 2001, and you'll hear her story because I, I want I want you all to hear this. It's pretty amazing. In 2001, she completed her traditional training and initiation in Swaziland, Africa, and graduate, graduated as Sangoma under the mentorship of Zulu shaman P.H. Machali. Currently, Gretchen has a private shamanic practice where she sees clients and offers ongoing shamanic training for both beginning and advanced students. Uh, Gogo Gretchen uses the African divination system of throwing the bones to diagnose, diagnose the spiritual issues underlying dis-ease and family patterns. Provides shamanic healing through spiritual extraction, soul retrieval, and healing with spiritual light uses medicinal herbs, flower essences, and aromatherapy to facilitate energetic healing through ceremony and ritual and teaches workshops for ancestral and personal healing. She also offers two-year programs in advanced shamanic healing and apprenticeships for those (laughs) called to the path. And uh, you can go to her website, ancestralwisdom.com, ancestralwisdom.com and find out more about her, what she's up to, and various programs that are going on. Gretchen, finally, we had a little glitches here at the (laughs) beginning, so I'm glad we got those ironed out. Uh, You look great. It's good to see you again, like we were talking. Good to see you. 
it's been a few years since uh, yes. you know we've had a chance to hang out together. You know, pre I guess a lot of things are pre pandemic and post pandemic at this point. Yeah. You know, it was quite a ride for a couple of years there. But anyway, <laughs> I want to welcome you to the show and thank you for appearing here as a guest. Um, I'm not even sure where to start, Gretchen. You know, our relationship goes back many years. Um, yeah. Almost hesitant to say how long, but, <laughs> you know, it's, many years. It's been a long, and many I, decades. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would say so. And I've always had a great deal of respect for you and your work. Mm-hmm. Okay, Feeling let's future. start with... Uh, definitions you know where they came from yes Sangoma, go go gretchen so. okay okay so the path of the sangoma is um a tradition that comes out of south southern africa and uh the sangomas are with it's different for each individual tribe like there's the kosa the zulu and there's other tribes but basically it is the shaman or the shamanic practitioner within africa within southern africa um and i think the most powerful thing about this path is that even though south africa went through apartheid and so much um Ugh, so much, cha- so many challenges. The Sangomas remained strong. They've always been the spiritual, emotional uh, healers. And in many places, the Sangomas and local medical people will work together. In fact, I've met nurses who were working in hospitals, who were also Sangomas, which I think we find, we're beginning to find here more and more. Um, I train a lot of people who are either therapists or nurses. I've even worked with a couple doctors who are called to the shamanic path, and it just becomes part of the spiritual side of their work. Um, so I think the most important thing about the path of the Sangoma is it is an unbroken line. African healers, traditional healers, see themselves not disconnected from their ancestors. And that's what, you know, my my teacher, um, Baba PH, he had always said when he visited here to the U.S., he said that there are many traditional healers. But he said, everyone's lost their ancestors. And that was the missing piece. Yeah. And so when I was called to go study with him, I met him here and then ended up going a year later. I'd already been going to Africa, but I I went a year later and started my apprenticeship with him. And um, it was all about reconnecting me with my biological lineage and then extended beyond that. So their perspective is that there are spiritual ancestors. So those are the ones of the highest vibration in shamanic work. We'd often call them the upper world teachers. It can include star nations, ascended masters, the angelic realm, and the deities that have been present on our planet you know, in different traditions. And then we've got the uh, ancestors of blood and bones, our lineage ancestors. And then we've got ancestors of land and place. 
you know, so those would be the ancestors that maybe haven't haven't incarnated in a human form, but are present as the guardians and caretakers of Mother Earth. And I found that really expanding for me, that perspective, because um, he said, for instance, uh, when I, I talked about crossing over, he said, well, was it? He said, St. Peter is waiting right there, you know, waiting to take you across. That was an ancestor. And he also taught me that uh, we can be our own ancestors. I had several experiences of spirit helpers that would come to me and I would say, but I've seen this ancestor in a past life. Can I be can we be our own ancestors? And remember, he just looked at me like, well, of course. You didn't hmm. know that? So the African perspective is much broader than ours. And um, I would often hear him and during my training, I would hear him and others in a ritual. And they'd be speaking Saswati. So I didn't understand what they were saying. But I'd hear Jesus or I'd hear, you know, an archangel, or I'd hear, the, and I would ask him later, um, I heard you calling Jesus, but you're not Christian. I mean, you're not following a Christian path. And he would always say, um, oh, but Jesus is a big go-go, which is like a grandparent, grandfather, grandmother. That's what go-go means. Mm. And wow. so there is the term is um, really out of respect for carrying the tradition, for being an elder of a tradition. Mm. Mm -hmm. So okay. that's so thus thus go go yeah go go yeah, Gretchen yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 yeah. Well, it sounds like you earned, in a sense, you earned your place in the world, or to um, do the practices that you've mm -hmm. uh, been taught from mm -hmm. the ancestors, <laughs> mm -hmm. as well as, uh, how did you call him, Baba? Michali? Baba, that means father. Yeah, Baba father, Michali. Baba, Baba, Baba Michali. PH, we called him. Baba Michali, yeah. I, I think it's so also unique, and I, I don't know the listeners can't uh, really see you, but the, you're white, and yeah. yet you were called to <laughs> Africa. Yeah, I think I, lo I love that. There's something really <laughs> special about that, that you were called to African yeah. shamanism, you know, for yeah. lack of a better term, but call it African shamanism. Um, mm -hmm. Do you find anyone goes kind of puzzled by that or are they raise an eyebrow or so, anything like that? Or do people just kind of accept it? So it's such an interesting you know, it's something I've thought about a lot because actually now there are a number of Sangoma who have been trained in Africa who live here. There's uh, two women who are African-American who actually live in uh, San Diego County and they have a retreat center now and their work is very traditional. Um, the rituals are traditional, the way that they dress everything, very traditional. Hmm. When I left Africa and PH was sort of telling me how to go about setting up my practice and what I needed to do, I said, 
to him, I said, well, how will this look in America? Because first of all, many of the traditional things like a house you need to build for your ancestors, uh, a welcoming home by your parents, all of these things. First of all, my parents were gone. Second of all, I lived in a condo. (laughs) There was no building of a house and I rented it. So there was nothing in that way. And uh, he said, I have no idea, my dear. This is America. It will look completely different. It will just look like America, which at the time I was, I had wished he would give me more explicit directions, but I am so grateful to him that he left it open like that because he understood his ancestors were telling him I was carrying this wisdom but I was carrying it into a white world. And most of my clients are white, although I have had Africans seek me out because they wanted a Sangoma. But even those who have sought me over others, um, they've chosen me because I am white and they live in this world. Maybe a couple of them, women I remember, were married to white men who were not always accepted by some of the black Sangomas. So it's, it's interesting. I feel like I was called to this a, to heal my own, um, my own ancestors and B to help in a non-threatening way, reconnect people to their ancestors And that's what I see it's been all about. I throw the bones. Everybody loves the bones. I've never, you know, people get to see all these objects and bones thrown out on a mat. And there's a story, like any divination system. There's a story. And um, I'm grateful that I have that tool. Um, I love using that tool. I love throwing the bones. But um, yeah, it's it's played out very different than the other some of the other Sangomas I know who live here. Um, my purpose is never to scare people, and you're right, I'm white. Now, in all my past life experiences, and I've done several past life explorations. I always end up in this one particular life in Africa, which tells me at this Mm. point in time, that life and this life, I've come here this time to complete, finish, resolve, whatever that is. Um, And that's another whole topic, but, you know. Yeah, no, I get it, Gretchen. It's like you provide a bridge. I think that's one way to look at it. Plus. I think in a general way, uh, Gretchen, I think uh, shamanic practice, um, some of the lines are blurred now. Uh, What I mean by that is that, um, you know, there might be some steadfast fundamentalism about shamanism, you know, and um, that, you, you know, here's the rules about being a shaman. You know, you only do it with your own culture. You only do it with your own tradition, et cetera. But I think we're seeing this all over the place where there's Mm -hmm. some, uh, I, am not sure I'd say crossing of lines so much as the lines are blurred. And, uh, certainly I know is, and, and I'm, I know, you know, is that there are some basic practices in shamanism, you know, yes. uh, Michael Harner would call the, call it uh, core shamanism. You know, in other mm-hmm. words, there's, 
similarities, you know, in various cultures mm-hmm. about the practices. You know, how do you go into an mm-hmm. altered state to do the work, right. for instance? There's a few right. different ways. You know, it depends on the, mm-hmm. how you were trained in the tradition. Um, exactly. So that that's, I think, um, a key also in why the other thing you mentioned is being called. You know, yes. I maintain that. I've always maintained that for some time now, that this is not something that's an ambition or um, uh, I've got a goal or something in those right. traditional kind of language. It's more, it's a calling. It's like that niggling that happens says, okay, or yes. synchronicities that occur that say, okay, time to go to Africa, <laughs> you know, and you're going, well, what? <laughs> anyway, I don't well, know if that's the, the reaction, but. No, that's, that's absolutely because I began studying shamanism and I think I met you right in the very beginning of my search. You were ahead of me. You were like in the two-year program, I think, or the three-year program at that point with Michael Harder. But um, I I did it because of, it it just felt right. I I was trying to heal myself. I was trying to heal myself. And shamanism was such an incredible tool for that, getting to know who my guides were, getting to know, um, you know, what my path was. And Mm. then I began as the more classes I took, I started asking about African shamans because there were plenty of people going to South America or Mexico or Native Americans. And that wasn't where my interest lay. I mean, starting way before shamanism, I'd been drawn to Africa. Never knew why. I mean, in college, And I started going to Africa in 1994 and um, I had gone three times, I believe, before I met PH in 1999 and three different people called me and said, you need to go see this man. And the first two people I said, yeah, don't have the money. The third person that called me I went, oh my goodness, she would never tell me to do this unless she really felt it was important. So I went and I had been searching for some answers to questions about career and path and all sorts of things. He threw those bones for me and within 30 minutes, he'd answered every question I had. And as we worked, he said, um, He said, you're being called. You're being Mm. called. Mm -hmm. And I was being called to Africa. So he invited me. He invited me to do two things. One, come visit him. Two, to study herbs. And so it was about a year before I went to his his homestead in uh, Swaziland. But I studied herbology and aromatherapy. And I remember thinking as I was going through my classes, oh, I know all this stuff. It was one of those, it just felt like here I am. This is where I belong. And then when I went to, yes, exactly. And then when I went to visit him, which again, I'd been to Africa three times already. That That was not the scary part, but... I did find that I landed at an airport. I'd been traveling for 24 hours. 
I get to the airport, I rent a car, and it was the wrong side of the street, the wrong side of the car, and all of a sudden I'm there in Swaziland going. I mean, I had been given landmarks to find. I finally remember after an hour trying to find his place, pulling over to the side of the road in tears and just saying, help. It was, I was very close. I did find him. And, um, and his response to me when I got to his homestead was, how can I help you, my dear? And I'm thinking, oh my God, I just traveled 10,000 miles. (laughs) Please, don't you know? Anyway, it was the beginning of a really beautiful friendship. And um, Mm. I adored PH. And he worked with me and through the bones and said, yes, you're being called to this path. But what I've always appreciated is I was never told I had to do it. I, it was as if I had a choice. But honestly, if you're called to the path, you don't really have a choice because if you ignore it, yeah. it just keeps festering. And so I, I began. I, yeah. I stayed with him yeah. um, and committed to doing the work. And I, I was actually still teaching. So I went back um, and finished up my last year of teaching. And two days after um, the school year ended, I flew off to Swaziland and was there for the next three and a half months and went through traditional Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. So you went through traditional training with PH. Yeah. Yeah. And And, and something you've said, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, got it. No, the question about throwing the bones. I'd like you to uh, tell the listeners, you know, what is throwing the bones? (laughs) You know, they they can conjure up all sorts of images with throwing the bones. But I know people say I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it is, uh, it's a traditional system and it is the, the actual bones in my um, set are from, I think there's some pig bones and some, I think it's mostly pig. There's a, there's a piece of crocodile. There's a couple of things uh, from a chicken. It's very similar to in America, we have hoodoo which comes from the South. Hoodoo mm-hmm. talks, hoodoo practitioners throw the bones. And I've, I've worked with someone who uh, does that. And it, it is, it's the same thing. It's bones and objects. And they, it's more about the story, the way they land the story that they tell. Mm. Does that make sense? Uh, Um, Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I have lots of shells. I have pointers. I have some dividers. But the bones themselves are people. And that's probably the most significant in here. And um, there are bones for 
for the living members in a person's family, as well as in the ancestral realm. Hmm. Okay. So you mean physically bones, actual bones? Yes. Yes. In addition to other objects that yes. uh, will tell the story around the various right. people that are represented by the bones. Is that correct? Yep, that's exactly right. And they are not human bones. I've been asked that before. There's no human bones in them. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Uh, did everybody hear that? It's not human bones. Okay. <laughs> no, well, you mentioned, human. I think, a couple. You said uh, chicken bones, for instance, or something. Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> But, yeah. I, you know, having experienced that, Gretchen, you threw the bones from me a couple of times. I thought it was a, uh, how would I say, it's a really cool and very accurate way. And yeah. a very, um, you know, it it seems to also require um, a collaborative process intuitively as well as what's presented to you physically by the configuration of the bones mm -hmm. and the other objects. Is that Fair yeah. to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's definitely mediumship that's involved. And um, there is a, a friend of mine who's, uh, he's actually South African and was trained by my teacher and another teacher who uh, he and I talked one time and he said, he's actually a doctor and he throws the bones before he does a surgery to see if there's uh, anything that he, I know, I, I love, love this. And to see if there's anything that he didn't notice. And there have been a couple of times where something is, he's pointed to look someplace and it's changed the, the surgery. I find that huh. fascinating. But he always says to me that, um, he said, I'm not, um, how's he put it? He said, I'm not clairvoyant like you. And I see, mm. I don't see that I'm clairvoyant, but I'm clairaudient and I'm clairsentient. Mm. So I feel mm -hmm. things and I do hear, you know, I hear. Mm -hmm. And it, so it is a form of mediumship. And when I throw the bones, I look at the configuration and then I wait to get some extra messages, you know, that mm. point you in the direction. I love the process and it never turns out exactly the same twice. <laughs> Well, again, I use the term collaborative. You know, it seems mm -hmm. like there is this collaboration that can be explained it in is. a few different ways. But basically that intuitive process where yes. um, you're engaging, you know, with the configuration as it's shown up and then you're mm -hmm. receiving messages. You said largely auditory or, or clairaudient mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, and clairsentient, which means sensations in the body. Correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And um, I, I think that's important too. I was just talking to somebody earlier today about that is, uh, and I suggested, it was a radio show and I suggested to the listeners there, you know, is learn what your, you know, what's your main one? You know, uh, mine yes. I know is hearing, audio, auditory, mm -hmm. and and same as you, sent, uh, Claire Sentia, yeah. that's why we get along so well. But also <laughs> visually, you know, I over the years, it's I've, I've been able to see things also, but that yeah. I don't rely on it as much. Right. You know, I, I really rely much Absolutely. more on that internal voice that goes on or hearing mm -hmm. something out here, you know, that connects yes, with yes. whatever I'm focusing right. on. And right. also the, the sensations, you know, in the body. Yeah. I think I'm beginning to believe maybe that's where it all starts anyway in the body. We get sensations and then it, I don't know this, you know, but it's well, just something that's a fresh thought that came up about a week ago, like, hmm. 
You know, if you think about it, what we are learning, and I I know your background is in trauma and therapy. I mean, there's I have friends who are shamanic practitioners and trauma therapists who are using somatic experience now, which is all about releasing from the body these held uh, right. woundings, these held traumas. So I absolutely agree with you. Our body, if we can, if we learn to listen to it, gives us a lot of information. A lot of information. Yeah, and, you know, um, and I uh, certified in somatic experiencing, so I okay, uh, you know, you are, yeah, to the choir here. I, yeah. it's it's another tool. That's what I would say. And absolutely. I remember uh, I remember reading something years ago, and it was a a quote uh, from Stanley Krippner, who mm-hmm. uh, wrote a lot about what we might call new age. I don't like that term, but yeah, um, he said that, yeah, there are, he was explaining what shamanism is and shamanic practices. And he, and he said, there are some practices that are shamanistic. And I like that term mm, because they may not too. be like, you know, pure shamanism or coming from a particular tradition. Uh, right. Specifically, what I recall he said was like Reiki. You know, you don't ah. think of Reiki as shamanism, but it has a shamanistic flavor to it. It does. You know, working, it does. working with energy, you know, doing hands-on yes. healing. You know, the, those are the kind of things that he called shamanistic. And at the same time, when uh, you engage with uh, some tradition, whatever it may be, or some training, um, you find out there's it's just it's a whole different world. What I like yeah. about it, Gretchen, is that it reconnects us certainly with the ancestors. Yeah. And in the paradigm that uh, I've worked with is that uh, the ancestry goes way, way back. You know, we're talking yes. you know, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands. Thousands, of years. yes, yes, to the and beginning. We really reach back, yeah, to the beginning. You know, and the original ancestors. Yeah. So I like that the African shamanism is um, not, I, I'm not sure how to say it, but that's so much an aspect or a part of African shamanism. Yeah. Well, and, and even, you know, when we look at it, um, ritual, ritual is somatic. <laughs> it releases things. And I think, um, I feel like, and this is just some some of the stuff I'm experiencing now, and because we continue to shift, we continue, you know, our vibration continues to raise. And what I'm seeing more and more is that it it is all about energy, whether it's shamanistic or, you know, a lot of my students that are working in my advanced class all have been doing Reiki or one of these other modalities. And all that happens is they get some new tools and the ancestors just use them all together. I always say nothing is wasted. It's like nothing Mm -hmm. is an accident. And for me anyway, it really increases the magic of this path. Expect Mm -hmm. the unexpected. Like you're saying, you know, nature is the place that I am filled up, that I am renewed, and that I'm inspired. So many. Yeah. So many people are feeling that way. Yes. It's the place that I can go, especially with us living right by the ocean, and the ocean is my place. 
you know, I can be there and listen to the waves and um, see the wildlife and just feel refreshed and renewed. And I don't, I don't need to understand it all, but there's a vibration that happens between myself and this sacred place that I love. I understand. Yeah. I think, the other thing I think of is, is gosh, go, everybody get outside, go in the backyard, Yes, you know, go to the park, yeah. you know, uh, find it, a tree. You, don't, you don't have to walk <laughs> that far. Yeah. Find a tree, mm-hmm. you know, just to yeah. be able to relate, put your backbone up against a tree and yes. allow the tree. I, I, I often say like, breathe with the tree. Yes. You know, just breathe with the tree and people go, what? Yeah. Just try it. <laughs> try <laughs> you know, it. Just try it. You know, it sounds crazy, but try it. See what happens. Yeah. So well, it then, is, uh, Tom, go ahead. Go ahead. go ahead. I was just going no, to say. say that's part of shamanism is part of, of that's part of it is the uh, yes. revival and the remembrance of our yeah. relationship with the natural world, which I, I maintain, you know, we're a largely forgetful species, you know, for the most part, yeah. especially Western. I think yeah. the Western civilization has really lost touch, you know, with that deeper memory. Anyway, mm-hmm. I, I sort of interrupted you, but but uh, no, what no, were you going to okay. say? I was just going to say that another part for me that's really encouraging is, you know, we have um, quantum science and quantum scientists. And um, now I can't remember the name of the woman who did the research about redwoods up in, I believe it was uh, Canada. But she's one of the first ones that started looking at the mitochondria and Mm. the way all these trees are connected. And so it's kind of like Avatar, the first Avatar. (laughs) It's like it's not it's not a far stretch. Those trees Mm. are talking, they're breathing, they're communicating. And Mm -hmm. they have a lot to teach us. It's just that they have a different language and we have to stop long enough, like you're saying, back up to a tree, just clear your mind, be with the tree, breathe with the tree. It has so much to teach us, even if what it's teaching us is to relax. (laughs) Yeah, at that minimum, yes. (laughs) Yeah. You mean they don't speak English? What do, how do I get, (laughs) how do I understand what they're trying to communicate? You know, and again, sensory, uh, at the minimum, it's sensory, but then I think it can Mm -hmm. translate them to auditory or uh, clear audience, as well as um, cognitive, you know, the the intuition, connecting with the intuition in some way. My goodness, Gretchen. Uh, And also a little bit about, before we uh, bring this to a close, but I want to hear some things about your trainings, because you're training quite a few people you know, both beginning and advanced programs. You know, as you mentioned, the pandemic changed a lot. I used to offer a lot of classes in person, and I was always appreciative of, uh, of coming up with new ideas. And after the pandemic, it's taken a long time for people to get back to being comfortable in person. In person is still my favorite thing. But I do offer um, the fourth Saturday of every month, I offer a Zoom uh, shamanic journeying circle. And you do need to know how to journey, but 
Um, we just come together. There's been this beautiful group that's grown over the last couple of years and probably like in some of your things, I mean, they come from all over the world. So that's the gift about being able to do something like that. Um, I do a lot of work one-on-one -on -one with people who are really preparing to deepen their shamanic path. So I might work for, I do a chakra program, which is for eight months, and we explore one chakra each month. We use journeying, we use art, we use ritual, and really it's to clear everything out. I love mm -hmm. that program because I love working with someone over a period of time. Um, my advanced program is for people who are called. This is this okay. this work really calls to them. And there we mm -hmm. work. We use very traditional um, practices like learning um, extraction and soul retrieval and healing with light and death dying and beyond. We explore all of those things. But my my. My recognition, a number of years ago was that it's really more about someone having ongoing community and guidance to go really deep. And I always tell them, no one, you won't be the same person when you leave this, right? Um, right? It's, you have long-term classes and it's profound what they learn about themselves and the world. Yep. And I, I think I love that the most because I love to see this unfolding of their soul's journey. And it's a beginning, mm. you know, sometimes they like to think uh, this used to happen more. Someone would think they could hang up a shingle at the end of it and say, I'm a shaman. And we both know, we, we give our students those lectures of, you are not becoming a shaman. You're a shamanic practitioner. Right. <laughs> and yeah. there is no graduation <laughs> certification for it. You're just, you know, this is, this is your path. This is a journey. Um, yeah. So I really love that. I'm actually in process working with a friend of mine who worked um, for years with Sabanfu Somme, who was from um, Burkina Faso. And Sabanfu and her, she called him her husband, her once upon a time husband, a husband, Maladoma <laughs> Somme. They've both crossed over now, but um, she shared the grief ritual from the Dagara perspective and, um, and other traditions. And so Susan and I have been talking about trying to bring together a grief ritual. The challenge is Americans really need grief rituals. We don't, we don't honor grief in our culture. However, it's a lot to carry and we're not from the Dagara tribe. We, so we're still in the process of um, sort of exploring what that would look like. We started to offer it and then it was clear we weren't supposed to yet. So that's what I'm hoping. That's what it feels like is coming up new for me. That's next. I, you know, I'm glad to hear that because I think that um, like you said, that we typically as Americans, 
yeah. we don't deal with the grief very well. You know, we mm-hmm. can do rituals, etc., around uh, death and dying. You know, when someone has right. passed and everything, but to make room for it. Uh, who was it? Uh, somebody, a client I talked to earlier was talking about that they've had some couple of tragic deaths, and mm. um, they were both talking. The mom and also the sister were talking about caving up. They're going oh. to cave up. Oh, is that an interesting term? And that's the, the purpose of the cave is to make some space, you know, oh, and to that's make some beautiful. Time space, simply to allow the grief to process. I went, that's how beautiful. refreshing that is. That's so, yeah, so, okay, we've been three days. That's enough. Let's go. I'm gonna yeah. go. I gotta get to work. No. You know, instead of giving it's, a time. So it's a good process. for you. I, I trust that that yeah. will come together with you and Susan doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um again, before we end, I, w- I want to say uh to contact Gretchen, to contact you, ancestralwisdom.com. Uh you have you have uh quite a few different offerings, you know, from you mm-hmm. know what I've seen. Uh yeah. Uh, our trainings, our opportunities, etc. Join the once a month circle. You know, if you have some mm-hmm. journeying experience, it sounds like a great opportunity that you've offered. So, I, for one, uh, first off, good to see you again. It's been a it's while. Good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, hear from you also about updating on what your work is about. And uh, I do want to encourage people to look you up. You know, find out more. Thank you. you know, go Thank go to you. her website, Ancestral Wisdom. And again, we've known each other for, like you said, <laughs> decades. decades. That's wow. scary. <laughs> yeah, my God. yeah, well, we both started on the path uh, very yeah. close to the same time, you know, just yeah. slightly yeah. different, slightly yeah. different no. paths. But I certainly yeah. appreciate it, my friend. And, you know, somewhere down the road, I'd love to have you back, you know, and, and okay. we can talk some more and go into greater depth about some of these things. So yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, so much, Gretchen. And I love you. Thank and you, I, Stephen. I respect you and appreciate your service. So God bless. God bless. The feeling is mutual. You can also find lots of material on that website, drstephenfarmer.com. So please feel free to explore. Please also know that by sending a question, you're giving me permission to possibly use it in a future podcast so others may benefit from it. And to close, I'd leave you with the four most important words to take with you. Gratitude, love, compassion, and forgiveness. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.